We're good. Awesome. Uh, welcome back to the Keen Lake Podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now at the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake coming live from Glen Ellen, Illinois, in my favorite room of all of Chicagoland area. <laughs> Steve Malloy's office at Malloy's Finest in Glen Ellen, because the decor is so great. I love mirrors. Um, the sun coming through the ceiling. It's just I a wonderful time. Call them what you want. What? Porno mirrors. Yeah, That's like 1989 porno <laughs> mirrors. No, those don't have cocaine spread across them. <laughs> <laughs> no. You don't know that. <laughs> it's true. Whatever happens in this room stay, stays in this room. Uh, Steve is not actually a guest for the first time on this podcast as he appears. He's a co-host today. Hey, I've ascended. Finally. I like it. Finally. Yeah, finally. We've Long all, time coming. We've all been waiting for that moment. And that first voice you heard is the founder of uh, Buzzard Roost. Um, Jason, thank you for uh, being here. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and also this is Omar, too. Yeah, anytime. Um, yeah, we did a, a barrel pick, what, four months ago? Three yeah, months April? ago? April, early April. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were down there. It was probably my, I mean, I've had the whiskey. Uh, I think we poured it up here a couple of times before we record other podcasts. Um, and But it was a real introduction to the brand, but sitting in the actual Rick Houses, well, the bar of the Rick House over at Bardstown, and just hanging out, drinking some barrel picks, and trying to decide which one was the correct one for us. Mm. And like we were talking about, they did not make it easy. Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough day. A 10 a.m. tough start um, for obvious reasons, being down in Kentucky. Uh, what happens the day before drinking whiskey? Mm-hmm. Bottle sharing of 20, 30, 40 bottles. Oh, yeah, that was that night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, it was a great time. Uh, I think we picked a pretty good one. We just tasted a little bit of it. So uh, Steve just re- awesome. is releasing it today. Is that correct? Yep. Awesome. Yep. So you can Strap come by. Day. If you're in if you're in the Chicago land area, come by and get a bottle of it. Awesome. I agree. <laughs> Everyone should do that. Uh, well, Jason, we'll get into it. I know we don't have too much time, but um, where did you decide all of a sudden? Let's start a whiskey distillery or whiskey brand. Oh, it just goes back to my love of whiskey. Yeah. Um, Eighteen years ago, I started a place called Bourbon's Bistro. Uh, have to mention that we just got the. Uh, whiskey bar of the united states by whiskey magazine and whiskey bar of the world congratulations wow. so awesome. i could say 18 years to be an overnight success but uh been <laughs> that's doing, all it takes dude yeah been right. doing the whiskey thing a long time and um you know we were one of the first to do barrel programs i think we were actually the first bar restaurant to get a uh, a barrel from four roses nice uh, mm. so we've done all the distilleries really over over the years we've probably done a, over 100 barrel picks just through that restaurant so i've been in and out of uh, distilleries and, and warehouses and uh, you know at times i think i've sipped the best of the best right. you know uh so the the next phase for me would be man i want to do this you know because i really really enjoy the industry and and obviously the whiskey as well so you know we did some research and decided to try to start our own distillery uh you know fell about 50 million dollars short but that's fine <laughs> you know, i don't know not a big deal I mean, yeah. with this face, I don't know why you wouldn't give me 50 million bucks. <laughs> that facial hair, man. Oh, gosh. Yeah, for sure. We'll take uh, pictures. We'll post them all over the internet. <laughs> but so, you know, we, we, did, we, we just decided to start a brand. You know, we were going to get into it one way or another. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of people are doing brands. But uh, I think what makes us a little bit different is that I work really closely with Independent Stave Company. They're the biggest barrel maker in the world. Uh, if you're familiar with the Makers 46 program, mm-hmm. uh, the gentleman that developed that program for Makers Mark develops my barrels. Oh, nice. And uh, just kind of like Makers, they, they use staves, but we use whole barrels. So I think we have up to 17 
barrels now in our portfolio that are just ours. They have, you know, proprietary to Buzzard's Roost. Very cool. Uh, that we finish whiskey in. So we, we're buying uh, aged whiskey like uh, a lot of people on the market. And we're very transparent about what we do. We have uh, contracts with um, MGP, a great partner in our whiskey. Uh, we also, so what we do is we'll buy it from MGP, ship it to Bardstown Bourbon Company, another one of our partners. Uh, they do all the rebarreling, mm. and they'll do all of our aging and bottling there. Uh, this coming year, we will have some new make going into our barrels, our proprietary barrels, um, that we're actually uh, going to be processing in a little place we've got down in Louisville. Now we've got a tasting room uh, with a little mm-hmm. doubler. So we're going to take some first run, clean it up in our, in our little doubler, and then it'll go into our barrels. Now, awesome. one of the things that makes our barrels... Uh, different mm-hmm. from anybody else's is we use uh, a lot of different toast profiles with different ways of toasting them but we have all of them are, are, are different toasted so we have all of our barrels are toasted uh, but the main thing that sets us apart is that uh, we, we use a number one char exclusively and if you're f- familiar with the charring system it's you know number one through four four is the heaviest number one's the lightest uh, we feel that once we've developed, we've brought all these sugars to the surface, all these wood sugars, uh, that we've proven through chemical analysis and all these tests and charts that, you know, it's easier for the liquid to get through to those sugar layers uh, if you've got a number one char instead of a four char. Four mm. char say, you know, exaggerating is this thick. Yeah. Number one char is this thick. So it's much easier for the liquid to get through those toasted layers that we've built. Plus... If you think about what you're doing when you're charring, you're burning sugar. Mm-hmm. So even, all barrels get somewhat toasted, even if they just have a number four char on. Those sugars are going to come to the surface, but what you're doing with the char four, it's almost counterintuitive. You're burning back those sugars that you just brought to the surface. Right. So we really uh, put a lot of eggs in the basket of, of toasting and the number one char exclusively. Is that a flavor profile you were searching for with that that lighter char uh well the char really doesn't give it the flavor profile and, and a lot of people will will think that but it, it ours comes through the toasting and, right. and and so through our toasting which is basically time and temperature it can go from sweet uh to spicy to smoky mm-hmm. uh one uh, one uh, point of this i like to tell people is kind of the easiest thing to try to equate it to is there's a lot of lignin in oak and at certain temperatures, uh, lignin breaks into vanillin. Vanillin is a big component in vanilla. Mm-hmm. So through, through you know, these extractions and chemical analysis, we see lignin, 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 and boom, all of a sudden it's vanillin. Mm-hmm. So then we stop the process. Mm-hmm. And so we know that this barrel is going to influence this whiskey that we put in it. It's going to be, you know, hopefully a vanilla bomb. But, <laughs> but like I said, we can – and that's just one compound that we, we – uh, kind of isolate and focus on there's there's uh, lots of furfural eugenol glycols mm-hmm. all these good compounds all these good wood sugars that you want to get out of them and you want to leave the tannins and things behind we also you know I, we feel that we're kind of more maturation experts hmm. that all of our wood is even dry aged twice as long as anybody else's uh, we dry our, dry age our uh, staves about 18 months that opens up the wood, breaks down the tannins as well, uh, lets a lot of these microbes get in, which is gives it some kind of funky flavors as well. Uh, but it's almost like dry aging a steak. If anybody out there has ever had a dry aged steak, 
all it just breaks it down mm -hmm. and that's the same thing with wood it just breaks it down it's easier for our liquid to get through those compounds that we've built through the you know the, the aging the, the the toasting and the charring process so is that vanilla note something you were intentionally trying to do from day one well it it, it, it if i so we buy uh we source whiskey obviously yep. uh if we get a batch that i think is a little bit too spicy we'll we'll put it in heavily uh, uh of our vanilla barrels yeah you know you want all of those uh good wood sugars you Just know uh, yeah. You want, yeah. yeah you definitely want a balance so uh it's surprising what we can do with this what we call it the distillery is like a painter's palette full of <laughs> full of these different flavors or or maybe even a spice rack yeah sugar heavy barrels your smoke heavy barrels and then mm -hmm. jason gets to play with them and blend them as he sees fit um it's just a unique tool that not a lot of distilleries have and i think uh, it sets us apart for sure yeah yeah it's a way of you know obviously with not having your own new make in there and putting in the barrels from day one it's a way of differentiating yourself from other distilleries that are out there, which there's obviously a lot of people are now doing source barrels and blending and doing all these different techniques to bring their product into a market in a unique way. But with you guys kind of playing around with it all from dry aging, getting different flavors out of it, it kind of does create a whole new flavor profile, especially with your bourbons. For me, I was, when we were tasting that barrel, I was getting spicy mocha notes on a lot of them. Yeah. That was, well, was It makes barrel picks fun, too. Right. Because mm -hmm. you're rolling out more than just one toast profile. You have right. six different toast profiles in front right. of you. So you're not just seeing what the rickhouse did. You're seeing what the wood did, too. For sure. Right. It's it's uh, it's amazing, just, you know, once you kind of look into it. Uh, uh, and, you know, who knows why it was overlooked. They just – it's not the – I don't know that they didn't have the technology, but, uh, you know, this is what this guy does down at Independence State. He's in wood research department. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've drank the Kool-Aid or, or, <laughs> or the whiskey, if you want to call it right. that. Um, and it makes a huge difference. It, it makes a difference on paper, and it makes a difference in your palate, hmm. I mean, for sure, that we think. And this year, like I said, we will get new make, and it'll never see a char three or four barrel. Okay. It'll just go straight into char one, and that's that's where it's going to be. Yeah, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So the, will there still be rebarreling, or is it there just will be, be there will there will be rebarreling, and, and it'll phase out somewhat okay. over okay. over years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our, our end goal is still to find that mm -hmm. magic money for the for the full distillery. Right, right. Uh, right. But you know, we're taking baby steps, and I think if we're, anybody's we're, out there, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hello. Yeah, we're making. <laughs> my number is. Um, <laughs> Uh, but anyhow, yeah, we're we're uh, we're having fun with it. Uh, we're doing all, you know, spreading the word. And yeah. It's it's uh, stores like Malloy's here that that are going out on a limb. You know, we think. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're 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 somewhat of a new brand, and and uh, uh, they they've you know drank the whiskey, and 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 so hopefully mm -hmm. everybody's yeah, in is, agreement. This is the yeah. Kool Aid we drank. Yeah. 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 Right. Half full already. Right. Or empty. No, that, I mean, we 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 love finding you know newer brands. That to to support and bring to our customers and you know everything that that was brought to me, but you know especially that cigar, right? Um, <laughs> I mean that 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 in my mind that put the you know put your uh, uh, your spot on the map for me. Cool. Um, but everything since too has been yeah. just stellar. And then the experience going down picking the barrel mm. was phenomenal, and every barrel was better than the last. 
there and there was that man there was that one with that funky cognac yeah we note. Like, yeah we had like a cognac and kind of yeah. sherry-ish flavor to it we were yeah. all like wow this is really great and we would love it i'm not sure if the average consumer right, might right. love that's, it but that's the unfortunate and I love consideration that you, <laughs> love that you brought that up because we you know we do not finish in any type of used right. barrel whatsoever mm-hmm. all of this is brand new cooperage uh, we don't use smaller barrels. We, you can't shortcut Mother Nature, but we True. we can work with what we have, and that's what we do. So we use brand new fifty three gallon barrels. We use them one time, you know. And sometimes the secondary aging can only be two months mm-hmm. to a year. We we taste uh, a lot of these batches, and if it's not done, it's not done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some, you know, uh, we have some toasted products that 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 since it's not charred it gets to that those flavors really quick so mm-hmm. they could be in there as little as two months so you got to think of a brand new uh, 53 gallon barrel that can go for 20 years or 23 years pappy whatever uh, we use it for two months right. and, and and send it off so how old is the whiskey when you get it initially uh we 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 started with you know some early rise we started with three three and four year rise yeah. now we're working you know everything's basically four to six years okay you know, we we do have some older stuff we're kind of playing around with, uh, but you know it's going to be in that four to six year range because I, I mean that's a, a pretty sweet spot for um, how our barrels can can finish that that, that what's the process that's already started. Right. So as you, as you were working with other brands you know, at the restaurant behind the bar and all that, did you see a gap to fill in the industry by doing this whole process? You know, not necessarily. I, I, I didn't think there was a gap to fill. Uh, you know, everybody's always searched for that, that you know, unicorn whiskey or whatever, yeah, the yeah. best of the best. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I've been a collector of, of, of bourbons for a long time. So I've had whiskey every decade from 1900 on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was searching for the, that flavor profile that they used to have back in the 40s and 50s. Hmm. So, and, and, hmm. and soon, once we get a still, we're going to bring that in as well because it's just a different way that they used to make. If you, if you, I know that you've got some of these um, older, older whiskeys, and I know mm-hmm. that you've probably had some, and you know that, let's say, a beam from uh, the 60s is right. apples and oranges between beam today. Totally. Uh, and that's just the way they used to pull it off the still different so there's different ways mm-hmm. of even enhancing the flavor even more so than just the barrel but we all know that 70 percent of the flavor at least comes from the barrel so that's kind of where we started with this you know everybody's blending we kind of worked our way backwards and uh kind of reverse engineered the the, the aging process mm-hmm. of it um but I also, you know, I, I, there's there's tons of flavor back in those whiskeys from the, the, the 40s and 50s. It's just it's, unnatural. They're, they're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What, dilution. yeah, for sure. A lot more flavors from the grains. Mm. Um, Anything distinct from those decades that pulls out certain well, flavor profiles? Well, it just seems like a lot of those had those the, 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 the caramel and the, the vanilla bombs, and mm-hmm. they're just so smooth and... Uh, there's definitely going to be some research done once we get the big steel going. <laughs> how do you how do you back engineer that and then try to find those flavor profiles into your whiskey then? Well, I don't think it'd be very hard at all. Okay. I mean, I mean, I don't want to say too much. But <laughs> <laughs> no one's listening. You're already on you know, to there, something. There, there's already people out there going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I need to get a feeling steel. you're part of the way down the line on that already. Yeah, yeah. we're working gotcha. our way to it. So, gotcha. um, it's just looking for that old kind of 
dusty good old whiskey flavor yeah you know just that you know that when you taste mm. one it's like that's what a whiskey should taste like at least to me you know and and uh there's there's no wrong answers out there there's a lot of a lot of different different palettes out there and, and like i said we always say there's there's uh, not bad bourbon it's just better better whiskey <laughs> you know um and it's all you know whatever you whatever your palate does so mm-hmm. um, there are some bad bourbons out there <laughs> <laughs> never had one in my life yeah when did this whole love and almost admiration for whiskey or for bourbon begin for you? Well, uh, I, my, I lived next door to my great aunt, and she used to work at National Distillery hmm. down there in Louisville. Cool. Um, right down the street. I actually grew up in the neighborhood, but it, it ended up closing in the 70s. And I know Omar says I look a lot older than that, but that's not, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, I was a child when it closed, and... Uh, but I don't know. It just seemed like it was always in our family, and then my parents really didn't drink bourbon. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd been in the restaurant business a long time, and 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 I, I'm you know, born and raised in Kentucky, and and very proud of where we come from. And I think that uh, bourbon at the time was completely undermarketed. You know, ninety-five percent of the world's bourbon comes from about seventy miles from where I live, <laughs> and it was just you know, it was just undermarketed, and and. It was kind of a shame that, you know, all these vodkas and a lot of clear spirits had taken over. And it's mm-hmm. like we were just out to educate the world about bourbon when, when we started the restaurant mm-hmm. and the bar. Uh, anybody that would listen, I would tell them, you know, this is good stuff, yeah. you know, all of it. You know, so uh, we always said a rising tide brings all ships up. So for sure, mm-hmm. we would have bourbon dinners and I just fell in love with it. The more I learned about it, the more I wanted to learn about it in the in the characters. I mean, you need, <laughs> that's the thing. You know, yeah, anybody yeah, ever yeah. out there. This industry. Met, you know, Jimmy Russell. Uh, oh, yeah. Eddie Russell. I mean, uh, yeah. Bill Samuels, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, Chris Morris, you name him, Freddie No. Oh, God, what mm-hmm. a character. You yeah. Know? You're one of those characters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you fit right in. You've yeah. taken your place. <laughs> Maybe they've taken me under their wing. Yeah. But, um, you know, those guys are just the real kind of royalty of the of the bourbon family. And right. It, it, and it's all like one big family, even though they're competitors. Mm-hmm. It, it, on some level, they're not competitors. You know, we all... I say we. I'm trying to throw, throw, I'm trying to throw myself in there, but no, Go you know they it. all hang out together. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean it's just it's 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 one big big happy family for the most part. Starting to get a little uh, a little different now. Corporations and things are mm. coming around, but uh, you know, uh, it 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 the the in the heart of it, mm-hmm. it it's just a really solid community. Uh, you know of of. Of people who appreciate fine spirits. Who was the consumer back then when you first opened the bistro? Uh, you know, they basically came for the food. I was <laughs> you know, say, yeah. Then you just try to get them hooked on bourbon, right? But because um, the tourism wasn't bad. no tourism. Was, you know, when we went to Jim Beam, they didn't even they didn't have a tour. No, wow. I, I, I had to. I wanted to buy some barrels from them for kind of decoration around the restaurant. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, you go over here, this barn over yeah. here. And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. How many you need? Ten? Okay. Go for it. Uh, so, there, yeah, there was really no, it was, you know, it was 2005, so there was really not a whole lot of tourism out there for that. Yep. Um, it's just getting going. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just getting, getting yeah. going. Did people so, embrace that then? It was slow was going. Like, I mean, the okay. locals, you know, our locals, you know, in Louisville or whatever, one of their family members was in it you know yeah they used to work here they used mm-hmm. to work there mm-hmm. it was kind of uh, 
just commonplace, yep. you know, and so people took it for granted and right. really didn't know. I think a lot of people still in that area, you know, it's always been here, but really didn't know what we were sitting on mm-hmm. as far as tourism, as far as what a great spirit it is. I mean, like I said, I think people just took it for granted. Like, Absolutely. you know, that's, that's just that's how we grew up. You know? mm-hmm. We have wooden bats and whiskey, and yeah, so, yeah. yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> no, I used to, my grandparents lived in Louisville for forty years, and we, oh, wow. you know, we'd go there for like two weeks in the summertime, three weeks in the summertime, and hang out. We didn't really do anything. You never go to the distilleries, yeah. and there's no tours to do. You go downtown to the Louisville Soccer Museum and sure. go to like some Italian joint for dinner, and that was really about it. But oh, now where'd you it, go fishing? <laughs> the cool, some cool spots. Or fortunately, I should say, my grandpa worked for Beam, so uh, oh, yeah, okay. yeah. So but, bunch of little hidden ponds. Yeah, back yeah, back there. And remember, See, there you have it. Your grandpa worked for right, Beam. There you right, go. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah, just throw it away, and it sounds cool when you're a little kid that everyone you know in your class can recognize an American-made company that your grandpa works for versus like oh my, you know, my dad does this, my grandpa does that for this company, sure. but. It's a very recognizable American uh, company, so it's cool to have that and have those memories. But, yeah, as a kid, you're like, not much to do in Louisville, and now we go down there three four times a year. I was going to say, yeah. you're a little bit younger than me because I can remember when Louisville Slugger was actually made in Indiana. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Before they moved across the river, which right. they should have been in the first place. Right, but. it makes more sense that way. <laughs> right. Yeah, but now to see the just the boom and the consumer not wanting just food, but the whiskey behind the back bar as well. Sure. When did you think, when did that kind of start switching where people were not just coming for the food, but coming for the drinks? I'd say a good, you know, cause I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'd say at least eight years ago, maybe. Once you hired me. Yeah. yeah once I hired Omar. Omar and I worked together uh, there as well. And uh, now he's. No, we were, we were banging out flights, you know, the tourism definitely picked up. I'd say 2009-2010 you started to see more of it Mm -hmm. especially around derby time Mm. you know when people are coming for something else but then they find a secondary product that they're intrigued by Um, but I think flights really helped and once people could try certain whiskeys next to each other and notice distinct differences they were like Mm -hmm. okay this is interesting Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's where it really started yeah that's definitely where the educational part started we you know we decided to uh, to do flights, and I don't know how many people did flights before us. I mean, there was wine flights and things, but, sure. you know, but I mean, no what, vodka flights. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what a great way to do, you know, compare one whiskey to another. Plus, you, if you can get into an eighty bottle, eighty dollar bottle, and not have to have to fork out eighty bucks and then hate it, you know, right. you could say, oh well, I tried it and I didn't like it, or I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know, when you do the flights, you can definitely when you put them side by side. You can, you know, you can go through them and weed it and, mm. you know, high rise and, you know, high proof. Which producers you like to. Sure. Right. You know, a lot of different distilleries have distinct flavor profiles. Like some people gravitate towards brown form. Not me in particular, but some people gravitate towards <laughs> Four Roses or Wild Turkey or uh, at the time KPD, you know, with their sure. old Weller juice and stuff like that. Right. But, mm. uh, yeah, it was, it was nice to find a flavor profile from a certain producer that, that really stuck out to you. Did you have the chance for the brands to come in and educate you on the whiskeys they had? Absolutely. We 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 started bourbon dinners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there were only ten major distilleries, and we would do one a month, so somebody'd get twice a year. Oh wait. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we would do you know, the uh, master distiller or ma- you know whoever of person of interest would come in from that distillery and Heaven Hill, whatever you name it, we'd have a year lined out, and then we'd have to fill in two extra ones. Somebody, like I said, somebody get to do it twice before these <laughs> distilleries started opening. So, 
The real fun was after the dinner, sitting at the bar. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I'm sure. Right. I can believe that. What was the first barrel pick you did? The first barrel pick we did was Woodford. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, and we were, I think, one of their first ones as well. I was going to uh, say, did their barrel picking programs really just begin the last, like, 12 years pretty much? Um, no, we so, did it. We, I think we probably did more recently than that. 2006. Okay. Oh, oh that wow. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was our first oh, one, and then I did Four Roses after that. Okay. And we were there first, so I remember going to Woodford, and we took this big old limo, you know, uh-huh. we were like, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were drinking all the way down and didn't know what to expect, and, uh, you know, right there, what is that, Versailles Road, going mm-hmm. back to Woodford, the, the limo driver passed it up, and he went to uh, do a big U-turn in front of those four lanes, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting back right, and he goes, uh-oh. And, like, he couldn't make the turn, so he had to put it in reverse and back up. And I'm looking at cars just coming out. Oh, God. One, one went into the median to get around us instead of T-boning us. And in this oh. little truck, I see the back tire smoking. It's fishtailing, coming right at me, and he finally stops. And so he gets it backed up, and then he finds the turn to Woodford, and, and nobody said a word. Like, we were partying, and nobody said a word till we got to, like, Woodford. <laughs> I mean, it was a quiet, quiet ride for we the rest of the We were just holding the ocean uh, bar, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, nuts. And then, you know, Chris Morris took us all through. It was, he was like, uh-oh. But Chris Morris took us, I mean, I don't think there's a broom closet we didn't see, you right. know? Uh, so, That's um, awesome. Yeah, that what, had to be what a, a super... great host, and it's, uh, it's a little different now with the barrel picking. Yeah. But, uh, that had to be, a, like, a relatively foreign idea back then just what, to yeah. approach a distillery sure. and say, we want a barrel, like – Okay, please take you know. Take yeah, it. I don't know. I think they approached us really, huh. and uh, and I'm, this is they they. I've tried to do it now. They won't let me do it. But back then, I got to do it non chill filtered. Oh, mm-hmm. and I wish okay. I still had one of those right. bottles. And, and you didn't hear that from me, so don't <laughs> don't not. call the don't call Brown Foreman and say hey, because <laughs> they won't do it. Believe me. But uh, early on, it was it was cool. It was a. Uh, I would always do these taste tests at the bars. Their Woodford and my Woodford. And <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that the non-chill filtered won most of the time in blind taste tests. How did you explain to the customers what a single barrel was back then? Did they grasp uh, the concept? Know, not. I still think people don't really uh, grasp the concept yeah, sometimes. Like you're dumb, but we're not that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Somebody in Chicago just yesterday asked me, so like, you guys give them the full barrel? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's full barrel if they want to buy it. And they're like, the action. How did they pour it? And I'm like, right. ah, yes, <laughs> yes. No, what? Like, I mean, we get four guys. But everybody who's green in this industry asks that question their first day at the distiller when they hear a single barrel. They're like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, and we take that for mm. granted. Yeah, we absolutely. Just yeah, yeah. Everybody's as knowledgeable about the industry as we are. Yeah, you know, just because we deal with it every day. But uh, yeah, I can see how that question could get confusing. I right, guess. and now we we're in search of them all across the country yeah. for oh I heard they dropped this one in this uh, retailer at this bar and like I gotta get it to compare it yeah mm-hmm. is that part of your barrel program setting yourself apart in that sense that's a good question I don't know um, I think we're just scratching the surface with our mm-hmm. barrel program because we have a variety of things we can do our our barrels influence. The whiskey. So one of the ways. first products we released. So we started with rye whiskey. We actually started with two. We did a very small batch, which is now our char one, and then a single barrel. And we kept doing the single barrel for various releases. And we found that with our unique toast profiles, 
all those single barrels were so different uh, that there was no consistency in our shelf product because somebody that liked our BZ1, which is like mm -hmm. a heavy baking spice, would go pick up their next bottle and it would be a BZ5, and it would be a totally different flavor profile. So we actually nixed our own core single barrel for our single barrel program, um, which offered us a lot of versatility. As you all saw yep, when we came right. down, um, mm -hmm. every product is so distinct that I think it offers the consumer, the retailer, you know, a unique experience to come down and pick and then also to sell to their consumers like, hey, this is a Buzzard's Roost product, but it's not like anything they have on the shelves. Right. Oh, totally. Um, yep. So we'll see tonight. I haven't tasted yours since Barrel Pick Day, so I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Speaking yeah. of tonight, your class starts in one minute, so I will yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> let you guys get to that, more important things. But um, thanks for the quick conversation. Um, we'll no, thanks for we'll having us. We'll yeah. definitely do a longer one in the future. For sure. Thanks. So, um, yeah, anytime, um, <clears throat> fan of the brand fan of you now so i just want to i just want to hear all the stories so uh looking forward to recording in the future steve thank you for letting us use your yeah, amazing office you. space oh, appreciate it. yeah it's just yeah, gorgeous man. in here this yeah it's it's, it's at your whenever you need they need those gold veins that's the real set there we go they had those gold veins in them God, right, next time you like come in the right? house. Yeah. We're, we're gonna remodel here um that's right guys appreciate it and uh have fun tonight thank you cheers, cheers.